sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, The Sports Grid. Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to talk college football late season betting strategies with Todd Wishnev at T Wishnev on Twitter. Todd, you remember him from the Showtime miniseries called Action. Uh, he's uh, been doing his gig back east for the last couple of years, and I haven't talked to him all college football season, so I'm looking forward to breaking bread with Todd Wishnev breaking down the world of college football betting. But before we get into that, I do want to talk a little bit of basketball at the top of the show. Specifically, NBA basketball. All right. And the reason I want to highlight NBA right now, let's start with this. All right. In the NFL, you're down three scores in the first half. You're screwed. (laughs) All right. College football, you're down big early. It's going to be a long afternoon. College hoops, especially if the road team is down 20 early, they're done. But the NBA is a very different animal in that regard. Night in, night out, teams down 20 in the NBA, they rally back to cover. Night in, night out, teams down 20 around the NBA, they rally back to win. That is why, in my opinion, when it comes to in-game betting, I don't think this is a better sport than the NBA because it is a game of swings. And when I'm betting NBA in-game... You know when you're making the bets. You're betting on the team whose coach just called timeout in disgust after their opponent went on a 12-0 run. And now they're down 20. Because these games tend to come back to the mean. They come, you know, one team shoots hot early, another team shoots hot late. I had a big play on the Clippers uh, earlier this week. Right? I had a big bet on the Clips. It was the second night of back-to-backs, but I'm like, LA's coming to play on the second night of back-to-backs, and they're deep enough to handle it, and they weren't tested on the first of back-to-backs. And what happened? The Clippers were down 25 in the first half. It looked ugly. What happened in the end? Hey, they had a chance to win the game. Ended up covering with room to spare. The only reason that Dallas was able to get the win was because they started burying three-pointers in the last two minutes. Uh, They hit three of them in the final minute that made all the difference. But the bottom line is the Clips were completely out of it. They were down 25 in the first half, and they ended up with a pretty easy cover. Now, what happened? All oh, the clients were all over me when the Clips were way down. <laughs> you know, big bet. I'm getting emails. I'm getting texts. I'm getting tweets. And without a shadow of a doubt, it's better to be up 20 than down 20 in the NBA before halftime. If I, if I had to pick, <laughs> would I rather be up 20 or down 20? I'm always going to say I'd rather be up 20. But frankly... It's not that much better. <laughs> you know, the Clips righted their ship after halftime. It was a back-and-forth game down the stretch. But unless you're live betting or you have a first-half-slash-first-quarter wager, be careful when it comes to writing off your NBA bets too early. NBA bets, sometimes they look dead early and they come back to life. It's a miracle. No, it's the NBA. The NBA is a game of runs and betters should take advantage of that. NFL's not like that. College football's not like that. Even college hoops, you know, where you'll see your fair share of road teams that hang around for 
28 minutes or 32 minutes or 36 minutes in the game and you get slapped around at the end. But even in college hoops, you don't have the wild comebacks that you do in the NBA. That's what makes NBA great for in-game betting and why even when you have an NBA bet that looks bad early, you don't panic and you don't try to buy off of that wager getting the worst of the number. And obviously, we're approaching Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is next week. And again, did I say it? I think I said it already, but I'll say it again. I will not be around next week. I'm going out of town. No shows for me. No coverage on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, No college football show, no NFL show. Next week, I will be back the following week, and we'll go all the way through Christmas, New Year's, and, you know, Mark Madness. (laughs) I don't expect many more weekends off, but I will be taking Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, going back east to visit the family, and I'm not going to be doing shows during that span. It's just too hard to do when you're traveling. Uh, it's one thing when you're living in Vegas, but it's another thing when you're trying to get guests, put it all together back east while you're trying to have a little family time. The bottom line is I couldn't do it, so no show next week. Obviously, we'll have an NFL show tomorrow, but no shows next week. But I want to talk a little bit about college hoops as well at the Open. I know it's a college football show, (laughs) but we're going to talk a little college hoops and NBA. And with college basketball for me, it's real simple. I did not do the off-season work. I don't do the off-season work. There's no time in the middle of football season. There's no time in the middle of uh, NBA season to sit there and try to get a good read on 360, what is it, 361, 363 college basketball teams, whatever it is. So what I do with college hoops is I wait patiently. I'm tracking results. I'm paying attention, but I'm not really handicapping the games. And what we like to do after Thanksgiving, particularly after Thanksgiving weekend, I'm going to start taking advantage of the overreactions. Some team looked good early. Some team had a great Thanksgiving. The betting markets are all excited about them. You start doing your research. You're like, this team's predicted to be sixth in a nine-team conference. They ain't that good. That's where you make money. <laughs> That's where I make money in college basketball. It's not about, if you did your work over the in the fall and have reads on a lot of these teams, you can make money right now. For me, I like to wait just a little bit longer and take advantage of the betting market overreactions. College basketball analysis starts on Cover It in the not-too-distant future. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's bring him in. Todd Wishnev at T. Wishnev on Twitter. He is a legend in the sports betting space, and not just because of his appearance on the Showtime miniseries action because he's pretty good at what he does. And when it comes to in-game betting, there aren't many guys I like to talk to more than Todd Wishnev. Todd, welcome to the program. How are you uh, hey. as we approach the latter stages of the college football season? Doing well. How are you? I got no complaints. Although in the open, I talked all about NBA and college basketball. Uh, have you started college basketball capping yet? Uh, I, I don't think you're an NBA guy. Are you an NBA guy? I, I don't really mess with the NBA until the playoffs. I've been all about college basketball and really enjoying the last couple of days 
with daytime college hoops all day. Yeah, so I was talking about, like, my strategy for college basketball. And, again, we're going to college football talk in just a moment. But my strategy in college basketball, because I don't have the time during NFL, college football, and NBA season to do my due diligence before the season starts, I like to wait until after Thanksgiving and then start to bet against some of the overreactions, teams that aren't supposed to be that good, that have had a big Thanksgiving weekend. You can bet against those teams for a month afterwards. Teams that were supposed to be good, and had a lousy Thanksgiving weekend with the tournaments, you can bet on those teams for a month afterwards before the markets catch up. Is that a strategy that makes sense to you, or is that something that's uh, silliness? No, I mean, that, that always makes sense. I'm, I'm usually looking at in-game opportunities, and, you know, in a sense, I'm doing a, a microcosm of that during the game. Uh, you know, I'm looking for scenarios where a game is supposed to be you know, a high-scoring game and it, the possessions are playing out really low or it's supposed to be a low-scoring game and they're running and gunning. So I'm looking for those kind of scenarios because in-game, the algorithms can only adjust so much. So very often you can catch some really good numbers on games that, you know, let's say game line 130, it's supposed to be a very low-scoring college basketball game and you see the possessions are very high. The fouls are starting to, to mount. And, of course, fouls always lead to foul shots with lead to points. You know, you can get on the over and vice versa. You know, you see a game line 155, but they're walking it up. Uh, you know, you can also take advantage of that because, as I said, the algorithms will make slight adjustments, but not enough often. And of course, if there's one stat that correlates, and people don't, it's amazing to me how people, how many people don't know this. But the stat that correlates strongest with overs versus unders is free throw attempts. <laughs> and when you're scoring points and the clock is off, it's really good for overs. If you're not scoring points when the clock is off, it's really good for unders. So the way a game is being whistled early, when you see the foul start to pile up makes a huge difference for those in-game wagers, certainly when it comes to college basketball. I want to talk about college football. We've got a couple of weeks left in the season, and I haven't talked to you all football season. In fact, I feel like I'm talking to an old friend right now, Todd, because it's been like forever since you and I have had a chance uh, to talk. How's your college football season going? Who's your favorite teams to bet on this year? Who's your favorite, least favorite teams to bet on this year? Now talk to me a little bit about college football and how your season has gone. Uh, things were going really well the first, I would say, five, six weeks of the season. Uh, the last three to four weeks haven't been as good. I've kind of given back maybe, you know, 40 to 50% of the profit that I made early on. Uh, so it hasn't been as good lately. Um, but, you know, overall still doing okay. So that's good. Um, as far as teams that have been good and bad, uh, Kansas comes to mind as a team with overs. Played a lot of Kansas overs in game that really were just outstanding because, you know, they score and then they give up points as well. And of course, if you're looking to bet overs in college football, you love teams that can score and don't play any defense. And Kansas leaps to mind. Of course, SMU always leaps to mind. Uh, a couple nights ago, they were entertaining with uh, going team total at Tulane against them. But uh, there was also a 140-point SMU game a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. So those, those, those have been interesting. Illinois has been a good team. I've been jumping on, I think, the uh, 
the markets weren't 100% attuned to them early. Uh, teams that hurt me, I seem to always get on the wrong side with Cincinnati. Uh, they just, you know, I'll be thinking, okay, they can score, but no, they can't. And, uh, you know, they hurt me a couple of times. Yeah, I'm up betting against Cincinnati uh, this week in college football action. The Bearcats, laying they're laying a pretty big price against Temple. They certainly dominated that team in the last meeting. But since he, it's hard to lay 17 when you have an offense that doesn't get to 30 a whole lot. Um, Absolutely. I thought that price uh, was more than a little bit high. And when you talk about teams that you love, you know, teams that made you money, Kansas over. I'm going to talk about Kansas and the over to close out today's show. So stay tuned for my quote-unquote free play at the end of the show. Uh, the Jayhawks playing oh, Ohio. the Longhorns. Okay. Good also, um, Ohio. I've, I've, I've won a number of bets on Ohio in-game. The Bobcats. Uh, so, yeah. uh, and of course, the Bobcats involved. Now, are you a Maction guy? You doing that midweek stuff now? I love Maction. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that you cashed with Ohio this past week, then. Yes, indeed. So, let me ask you this, because here we are, the stretch run uh, of college football. What works down the stretch, and what doesn't work down the stretch? You adjust your strategy as we hit the home stretch of the college football season. Well, you know, I, I, I don't really, because I play a lot of in-game, and so, uh, you know, I don't play much pre-game. So, to me, the in-game strategies work if you're, you know, basically the whole season. It really doesn't matter. It, you're just looking for the uh, statistical and, you know, eyesight patterns that you see in games to, you know, get on games or, or don't get on games. So, to me, it doesn't, you know, I don't really worry about that too much. And let me ask you this, because we're certainly dealing with this in many locales for successful sports bettors, for winning the sports bettors. Do you have any issues with getting kicked out? Uh, having any issues with getting your limits cut? Um, yes, I the, certain books. And how are you dealing with it? Well, it's a, it's a real frustrating part of the whole scenario. Uh, you know, I I don't really want to go into all that, but I'll just say that it it really sucks that you know <laughs> you bet and you do okay and then you get kicked out. Is uh, well, you don't get kicked out. They just limit you to like, oh yeah, you could bet seventy two dollars on this, you know, and you might want to bet a thousand dollars and you can only bet seventy two dollars, you know. So it, it becomes pretty frustrating. Sure, that's uh, one of the things. Uh, I do love about some of the books here in Las Vegas because they don't cut your action. They respond to it. And in my mind, you know, again, the way I learned bookmaking, that's the way you do it. Uh, the modern bookmaking methodology, well, some books don't use that approach. They'd rather limit the winning bettors as opposed to taking winning bettors' information and making their own lines tighter so they can win more from other people. Uh, is there anything you know that uh, I talk about what works down the stretch? You're like, you're basically have a mantra that you look for when it comes to in-game, particularly when it comes to totals. Is there anything that doesn't work that you've seen down the stretch? Hey, this worked all season, but now here we are late November. Uh, it doesn't work at the back end of the campaign for in-game betting. Anything stand out to you in that regard? Not really. I mean, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, the things that I'm looking for, you know, for example, if I've got a, 
big favorite home team, and they're averaging over nine yards a play early second quarter, you can go ahead and play their team total, whatever it is. Obviously, obviously the key numbers are important. So, you know, it's better to get 44.5 over than 45.5 over. It's better to get 48.5 over than 49.5 over, et cetera. But if you're getting the numbers that you're looking for, and then, you know, with the, uh, the eye test as well, I don't really think you have too much of a problem, but that's one of the, the bets that I like to make, uh, and I think it it holds up. Um, you know, obviously there's a million little angles you're looking for. And we'll talk about those angles after the break. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Leave magical thinking behind. That's what we're trying to do here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. This is not a pick show. It's never been a pick show. This is a show about the process of handicapping. How you go from looking at a card with a bunch of games and a bunch of sides and a bunch of totals and a a bunch of money lines into a handful of positive expectation wagers. How do you get from A to B is what we try to do here every week on Cover It with Teddy Covers. We do a Saturday show for college football. We do a Sunday show for NFL. And, of course, today we've got Todd Wishniff breaking down the world of college football at this stage of the campaign. And, Todd, my basic strategy for November college football is I want to look for morphing. I call them morphing teams. Teams that have either improved pretty dramatically from where they were in September or teams that have declined pretty dramatically from where they were in September. You find the morphing teams or the teams that have morphed in one way or another tend to be value teams down the stretch. The betting market's always concerned with season-long stats. And when you find teams that are playing well above or below those season-long stats, it certainly stands out to me. Do you look for morphing teams? Is that one of the things you're doing at this stage of the campaign? And if so, any teams stand out to you? I mean, I I look for more. I mean, obviously you want to be... In what I'm doing in a lot of in-game, you want to know who's kind of uh, looking better than they have and who's not, obviously. But I, I would say even in-game, you you see teams morph the other night. Kent State was playing somebody, uh, Eastern Michigan, I believe. And Kent State in the first half was moving the ball up and down the field with their starting quarterback. He got injured. They brought in the backup. And, and sometimes in college, the backup's okay. Sometimes he's just horrendous. And in this scenario... The uh, Kent State backup quarterback was uh, like a huge drop off from the starter. I watched two or three series, and I'm like, this team completely morphed from a team that was going to win by 20 to a team that could theoretically lose the game outright. And I got an opportunity to take Eastern Michigan uh, plus four, and I was like, oh, this is fantastic because you know Kent State can't move the ball with this backup quarterback, and that's exactly what happened. So that's a team that morphed in game. You know, and that will happen from time to time when you get huge injury scenarios like that, uh, you know, with the backup quarterback uh, coming into the game. But, yeah, of course, you want to keep in mind, you know, especially for in-game because, like I said before, the algorithms can't change too much off the off the original number. So if the original number is still taking into account, let's say you, see, you have a team that's improved the last 
two weeks of the year, and early on they were horrendous, you know, like you said, that pregame number is going to be still pretty against them. And then you start watching the game, and you're like, wait a second, this team's really continuing to improve. You want to obviously keep that in mind. Yeah, I'm just, you know, thinking of some teams off the top of my head. You know, Boise is a team that absolutely morphed this year. They morphed at halftime in the game against San Diego State, I swear. It was that moment where Dirk Cutter and the offense started to work, and all they've done since that is win games and cover points, with the one exception of the BYU game. So Boise's been a team that's morphed very positively and has done nothing but bet on the Broncos. You've made a fortune uh, since that morph. Oklahoma, remember how good they looked in September? <laughs> you know, since September, not so much. You know, the Sooners have been pretty ugly. And the loss at West Virginia, uh, the outright upset loss at West Virginia, is just the latest in a string of subpar performances from a team that, if you've been betting against them the last two months, you've made money. Syracuse, a team you could easily have made money with early in the campaign. You bet on any game you made money with. At this stage of the campaign, not so much. The Orange are banged up. Uh, and have been really struggling on both sides of the football uh, in recent weeks. So no shortage of teams that have, quote-unquote, morphed between where they were in September and where they are now. Anyone else that you want to highlight that stands out to you, uh, Todd, or should we move on to the next No, but on Boise, Boise has been a complete night and day. They were a nightmare in the beginning, and then all of a sudden, like you said, something clicked. And I've been on, you know, Boise's team totals over on Boise, you know, by themselves in general uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it's been the old Boise. And a lot of time, times also, you know, you want to notice teams that are get back to their what they normally are. And that's kind of what Boise has done. Because the first couple of weeks they didn't look like Boise. And then all of a sudden now they look like Boise. So I think that's a great example. Yeah, that loss at New Mexico. It <laughs> still uh, stands out like a sore thumb. San Diego State, another team from the Mountain West that has really morphed from where they were in the season. They found a new quarterback, a guy who was on special teams for them, <laughs> a Power 5 transfer, all of a sudden is wow. You know, and uh, San Diego State is not where, they've used to, where they usually are or where they've been in recent years. They've got an offense right now, and they've been cashing over tickets, which is pretty rare. Uh, for San Diego State. Any thoughts on the Aztecs? Yeah, actually, one with them the other day in a game, in that game where they scored a bunch of touchdowns, and I'm like, I, I looked up and I'm like, I saw them score a couple of times, and usually they're going to score one or two touchdowns for an entire game. Yep. And I saw them <laughs> score a couple of times. I'm like, wait a second, what the hell is going on here? And I got on that game right away because I was like, oh, wait, this isn't typical San Diego State. Something's going on here. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what happens with them for the rest of the year. But, the, you know, it's, it's a great example of a team. You know, you're watching in-game and you notice, wait a second, this is not what we're usually expecting from this kind of team, you know. And then all of a sudden you see them start to score. You're like, wow, this is, you know, this is completely different. Yeah, and at most, what do teams have? Like the most they could have is four games left, right? They have this week. Next week, Thanksgiving weekend, you have the conference championship games and then the bowl game. So we're really talking about a lot of teams, two, three, a handful of teams, four games remaining in their seasons. Um, so it's not a scenario where you're going to be able to take advantage of this forever. College football is a sprint, not a marathon. And it really feels like every year college football season goes faster.
<laughs> you know, uh, it really is a sprint. If you miss something in college football, it's gone. Is this uh, something you could take advantage of a week or two later, or is it one of those deals you miss it and oh well? Yeah, well, the season's so short, you know, so you have to you have to learn the teams quick, and it's a question of you you catching them before everyone else realizes what the team is, you know. So, Todd, you're someone that lived in Vegas uh, for a few years, and then you moved back east. East Coast betting versus Nevada-style betting. I want you to compare and contrast for me. Which one's better and why? You know, I, I don't I don't know if it's it's better. I mean, part of the nice part of the West Coast is it starts early and you're ready to go. But on the other hand, you know, now that I've been getting so into fitness and playing tennis all the time, uh, it's been nice to have Saturday and Sunday mornings to be able to uh, get some exercise before the, the long marathon days. Whereas, you know, if you're out on the West Coast, you know, it's going to start 9 or 10 in the morning. You'd have to get up really, really early if you're going to get some uh, exercise in. Whereas, you know, here I can get, you know, I can get started exercising 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning and I still am all ready for the games. Of course, that means I'm going to go till 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning uh, with the uh, late West Coast games, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say you like, when I first moved out to Vegas, I thought I was I couldn't get used to the 9 a.m. starts and the 10 a.m. start. You know, 9 a.m. starts on Saturday, 10 a.m. on Sunday, and then all of a sudden you start to get old, <laughs> and you're like, "Wow, I would way rather wake up early at this stage than stay up late." Um, are you in that same boat? Do you like staying up late for the late games, or would you rather be a uh, uh, up and at them real early if you could? Well, I, I, since I've been exercising so much, it, it's been uh, it's been good with the schedule to give me some time on Saturday and Sunday mornings to, to get my exercise in. So it's actually been pretty good. If I wasn't exercising that much, then I would, you know, prefer what you're talking about, the West Coast starts. Yeah, I can't say I blame you uh, in that regard. Uh, I'm a big fan of the West Coast starts in recent Years. I've, I mean, it didn't, it didn't take me that long to get used to the, 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 the time frame here. And again, it's really weird. It's kind of disconcerting when you first come out here. You're like, what, the games are kicking off at 9 o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock in the morning? The more you get used to it, the more you like it. Uh, you talked about your physical fitness approach, and you're a guy uh, that is you made a very uh, highly well-publicized weight loss bet with uh, professional better and well-known handicapper and a friend of mine, Steve Fezzik. How's that weight loss bet going, and how's your tennis game these days? These days. Well, the, the bet is over now. We, uh, you know, we started off. I was, uh, well, I was three hundred and four point six on April thirtieth. Twelve days after that, I made the bet with Steve. I was two eighty nine that day. He was two twenty seven. The bet was that between May eleventh of this year and May eleventh of next year, I could weigh less than him. And because I was 62 pounds more, I got three to one odds, uh, 3,000 for 9,000. We got to as close as 194, 192. So I was 62 pounds behind, and I cut the lead to two pounds uh, just recently. And uh, and then he started fasting, so he got down to like 187. And uh, I was to a point where I just felt like I was almost too thin and, uh, you know, decided to just we decided to call it a tie and uh you know we both won because uh you know i ended up losing over 100 pounds about 110 pounds and about six months which was fantastic and he lost a bunch of weight too so it was uh it was great motivation all the way around um yeah it sounds the whole weight. congratulations i mean that's a that's a significant uh, reduction in a fairly short amount of time now are you keeping it off how's your tennis game right now 
Yeah, it's been good. The only problem is it's starting to get cold here, so tennis is starting to go away unless you play indoors. And it's much harder to get courts indoors and it costs money and it's the whole thing. Uh, so I may actually come out to Vegas for a couple months to uh, to play tennis during the day. So I don't know if that's going to happen just when, but it's starting to get really cold here and, and tennis is uh, coming to an end, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Certainly the tennis weather. It's always been cold in Vegas this week. It is still a town where you can play tennis all year round. We've got more with Todd Wishnev coming up. After the break, coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get all the latest updates, breaking news, line changes, and more. Just follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. At SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow today's guest, Todd Wishnev, on Twitter at T Wishnev, W-I-S-H-N-E-V, T Wishnev, uh, on Twitter. Uh, you do a lot of tweeting during uh, football season, uh, or not so much? Uh, I used to do a lot more. Sometimes it just gets hard because I'm doing in-game and I'm trying to keep up with everything. And, uh, you know, this year I haven't done it as much. Uh, in years past, I've done it a lot. So you're someone that was featured. You're one of the main players. I was a bit player. You were a main player in action, uh, the miniseries on Showtime. Is there an action to Every time I have you on, I ask you, is there an action two coming? Any updates? Any chance? Uh, or is it uh, the no plus 2,000 or uh, minus 2,000 at this stage? I have no idea, and I have never heard anything. So I would I would think at this point, no is the answer. <laughs> yeah, take the under uh, on action, too. Now, have you had any long-term residual effect from being featured in that series? Do people still recognize you when you walk into the sports books? Do the books uh, say, oh, yeah, you're the guy from the action miniseries? Or is it one of those deals where... Yeah, yeah, maybe you can show your grandkids someday, but it doesn't have that, that big an effect on your life. I mean, it, it's, people still recognize me from time to time, not as much as they did right when I was on, but it still happens from time to time. Do you like that? So what, when I go out to a sports book, and, and, and when, I am a D-minus level celebrity here in Las Vegas, all right? There's many guys with bigger than me. But normally, when I go into a sports book, on average, someone's going to recognize me and say, hey, Teddy, come up and say hi. Say, I listen to you on this, I listen to you on that. And it's flattering and it's fine because I never, I, I don't get besieged. You know, I can walk around the casino fairly anonymously. It's only when I'm in the book that someone recognizes me. And I, and I view it as a positive. It gives me a chance to... Talk to more people. It gives me a chance to, to, to say hi and, and, and be a normal human being every once in a while. Um, <laughs> do you find that? Uh, do you like it when you get recognized? Do you get recognized? Do you have a problem with getting recognized too much? No, I don't have a problem with it. it, it you know, it's nice. Most people have positive things to say, so it's always nice to say hi and people you know, just chat you up a little bit. and They want to talk about sports gambling, which I'm talking about anyway, so... No, no. Yeah, exactly. The number one thing that people want to know is, who do you like today? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is always nice. But I always appreciate the comments. And, again, it's, it's good for the ego. It's, uh, it feels like you've 
uh, made an impact when you do go out and people come up and say hi. Whenever I'm with my kid, it's like the best, you know, oh, hey, Dad. Some kid goes up, Dad, yeah, yeah, your dad's the best batter out there. And my kid's just beaming, you know. It's like, not, thank you. Uh, so let me ask you this. You talked about how teams normally play in college football. Are, do you use stats? Are you a statistical-based better at all uh, or not so much? And if yes, which stats in college football are meaningful to you? To me, I'm always looking at yards per play in any football. Um, yards per play is, is something I'm always looking at. And whether or not the yards per play is actually for real or not. What I mean by for real is you'll have scenarios where, you know, a team might be averaging eight yards a play, but it was because they hit an 80-yard pass and the rest has been three-yard runs. So to me, that would be a non-legit yards per play versus a team that has a ton of yards because they got a 10-yard pass and a 15-yard pass and a 30-yard pass, and they're just unstoppable. So you want to match it to what you're seeing with the statistics. And if you do see that, then then you, you know, the stats are just a, another add-on to help you make the bet. So, you know, if you're seeing a team, you know, and very often in college football, you'll see teams that are averaging nine yards a play into the second quarter and if you're watching the game, you're like, oh, wow, well, that makes sense. You know, I just saw them throw for 30 and then for 15, and then a guy gash run them for 12 and then 8 and 10. You know, that's the kind of team you love betting team totals over or in it and an in-game over, maybe even taking that team depending on what the other team's doing because you're seeing it and the statistics are verifying it for you. But So yards per play is something I'm always looking at. Yards per play, a key stat to pay attention to. What about pace rating? Because you're someone that does a lot with totals. And when you see like plays per game in college football, you got uh, New Mexico State at number 131. They're only averaging 56 offensive plays per game compared to the fastest paced team, Texas Tech, who's averaging a whopping 91 points per game, although that does have something to do with some of the overtime that they played. The number two team only at 81 uh, plays per game. But certainly pace ratings for totals, something that I pay a fair bit of attention to. You're a totals better. Is that something you look at as well? You know, I don't look at it that much. I probably should. Um, but that's usually already in the in the game, so to speak, meaning it's already kind of in the total, already baked in. So I don't have to worry about it too much, you know, for the in-game stuff. Now, are there any stats stand out? as overrated slash useless to you? Anything that stands out as misleading? Any stats that you intentionally don't use? And I love that you brought up yards per play. Because in my mind, the yards per game stats are pretty meaningless. And when someone goes, they've got the number one offense in college football. They're gaining, you know, 580 yards per game. That's not what I care about. How many yards per play are they gaining? That's what I care about. What about you? Any stats that uh, stand out as overrated. Most of the stats are overrated. And even even in games often, in football especially, stuff is overrated due to the fact that uh, how they're playing the game will change the statistics, you know, wildly. Often teams, especially like in the NFL, will play amazing for two quarters and they'll be ahead 28 to three and then all of a sudden they'll just be running the ball and playing prevent and you can really throw the second half stats in the garbage because it's not a real statistic so to me you got to know 
not only yards per play, but also what are the real statistics? Just like I was giving you the example of, you know, a team that hit a, a miracle bomb and then the rest of their plays were horrendous. You know, you have to know in games as well what's real real statistics versus what statistics once the game has been determined and now they're just in the mode of trying to win the game. What about turnovers? Are turnovers predictive at all? When you see a team like Rice that's averaging minus, a minus two turnover margin per game this season, or Central Michigan averaging a minus one and a half turnover margin per game, and then you look at the other end of the spectrum, and USC's averaging, and Duke, and Kansas State, and Louisville, and Western Kentucky, and Ohio, who you talked about, all averaging a plus one turnover margin or better every game. Is that something that you pay attention to? Is that something that has some predictive element to it? I mean, I'm sure there's there's some predictive element to it if you're like Belichick and and you know maybe there are college teams where the where the coaches are extremely vigilant about that kind of thing. And if you see it year after year, then maybe it's something to look at. But I think a lot of it's just noise, and they're just lucky one year and unlucky the next year. They fumbled the ball and they they, they fell on it versus you know going into the wrong hands. So. Late November is just brutal. All right, for a sports better, literally, we talk about this is a really busy time of year, this is a really busy time of year. This is the busiest time of the year. There's no comparison. You have NBA, you have NHL, you have college hoops, college football, NFL, Canadian football, World Cup starting, UFC, boxing. What you know? How do you find the time? How do you stay sane? Or are you really trying to limit what you're doing? <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Are you trying to limit what you're doing uh, to uh, the sports that you really focus on? Yeah, I, I, I like to focus on things. For instance, like you were talking about the NBA, I pretty much ignore the NBA during the regular season because I can't watch everything. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like I have much of an edge, if anything, in the NBA, whereas in college basketball, I feel like it's just a lot easier. So to me, uh, you know, I just... There's certain stuff that I'm just not paying attention to at all. Uh, you know, I don't do a lot with the hockey either. You know, I might dabble in it a little bit, but, you know, I don't do a lot of hockey either. Uh, you, you just, like you said, there's only enough time in the day for, you know, a certain amount of sports to really understand. And if you're playing stuff you don't really know, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. Yeah, and that's, that's a lesson people often learn only with experience. <laughs> but do you have any tips for our listeners about how to handle the busiest stretch of the entire year. What do you do? Do you have any odd downtime? You talk about how you're working out now more. Is that how you kind of exhale a little bit? Um, you know, uh, tips for listeners about handling a, a really busy time of the year. Uh, you know, like I said, I think you should focus on the stuff that you do well at and just ignore the rest because you, like, there's just not enough time for everything. And obviously, you know, if you can get some exercise in, it's going to be good for you mentally and physically. So uh, we've got just a couple minutes left here uh, with Todd Wisham. And, and real quick, uh, yeah, have you seen any patterns for first-year coaches uh, when it comes to late-season improvements or declines? Do you want to be betting on some of these coaches down the stretch against these first-year coaches down the stretch? And any coaches stand out to you uh, in their first year with the teams as uh, particularly good or bad? Uh, give me some examples off the top of your head because I can't think of them right off the top of my head, and I'll tell you what I think of them. Well, I know you like Leopold of Kansas <laughs> uh, as one uh, that certainly 
stands out to you uh, as being uh, a and certainly Duke. Uh, you know, the Blue Devils are a team that have overachieved wildly uh, in their first year uh, under uh, Mike Elko. But take a look at, let's say, Virginia or Virginia Tech. Not so much. Um, any thoughts on those teams real quick? Yeah, I mean, well, like I said before, Kansas, I love them offensively, and I love the fact they don't play a lot of defense either. They've been fantastic. Um, you know, Virginia Tech's been kind of surprising in a sense that, you know, nobody thinks they're any good at all on offense. But once in a while, they can, they can uh, you know, surprise you. I, I, I have won a couple bets on Virginia Tech when I got on some overs in games that they weren't supposed to score. Um, after I saw them score a bunch, I think it was the NC State game. And then after that, I was like, wait a second, this team is not as bad offensively as people think they are. Obviously, overall, they're not a great team. But it, again, it's not always about beating, you know, uh, them being a good team. They just need to be better than what they're expected to do, right? And that's what betting is sure. all about, trying to find the teams that are just, just better than what everyone thinks they are. The point spread is the great equalizer. Great stuff from Todd Wishnip. Todd, promote yourself. Where do people find you uh, in the great wild at world? At T. Wishnev on Twitter. Uh, you know, that's pretty much where I am. You can always uh, check out, uh, you know, any posts. Once in a while, I'll throw up a pick. Uh, not as many lately as I used to do in the past, but if I have some time, I'll throw one up every once in a while. And 30 seconds, you got a, a bettable opinion for our listeners for today's college football slate. You know, I, I don't love a lot of uh, pregame, but if I had to bet some pregame, Utah, Oregon over 60 and a half to me looks kind of good. Uh, I just think that, you know, Oregon's an over team. They play a ton of off. They don't play a lot of defense, and Utah can score as well. So 60 and a half looks a little low to me. Yeah, of course there are. QB questions for Oregon with Bo Nix in that ballgame. He's not been ruled out. He's not been ruled in. That total likely to move based on Nix's availability on Saturday. Todd Wishniff, great stuff. Really enjoy spending time with you today. Always a pleasure, my friend. Best of luck this weekend. Thanks, Teddy. You too. Cover It continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to listen to tomorrow's NFL show ahead of time, you're not going to be around tomorrow to uh, uh, catch it right here on the SiriusXM channel 159. You can always download the podcast version of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Wherever you download your podcast, real simple, just search Cover It, and boom, it'll come up. Today's show comes up, tomorrow's show comes up, every show that I've ever done is available in the archives. You can go back down and make a uh, download a show from two years ago and make fun of me for a bad Super Bowl pick as you like. But check out the podcast version. I encourage you download and consume at your convenience. Again, just search for Cover It with Teddy Covers. And uh, they're all there for you, including today's show and tomorrow's NFL show. I'm going to leave you guys with a bettable opinion in college football. 
We heard Todd Wishnev talking about how he liked the Kansas Jayhawks. I like one thing about Kansas. I like their offense. This team is very capable offensively. We've seen it all year. You know, they've had 200, 200, 200 on the ground, 200 through the air each of the last two weeks. They have scored, what, 34-plus, seven times, 10 games? Kansas can score. Texas scored 56 on Kansas last year and lost. And since that 49 nothing win over Oklahoma, Texas played a bunch of good defenses. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas State. This is a big step down in defensive class. And for as much as we like the Jayhawks, this defense allowed 35-plus four times their last five games, 27-plus in seven of the last nines against FBS foes. And one thing Lance Leopold has not yet done in Lawrence, quality depth isn't there for November stretch runs. All right, it's a banged-up defense. I think Texas scores as many as they want. They got 56 last year and lost. Who knows where they get this year? I like the Longhorns, and I like the over. Chilly weather, but it's sunny and not much wind. I am expecting points in bunches. 63 and a half, 64. I think they get higher than that. No surprise here. We see 10 touchdowns or more between the Longhorns and the Jayhawks. Best of luck. Enjoy the games. Thanks for listening.